I don't, it multi-tenancy for those that that don't know is using one code base to host multiple d- domains. Correct? Am I mm-hmm. correct in my understanding yeah, of this? Generally, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, but it wasn't. Hello, my finger-tapping ballerinas. You're listening to episode 190 of PHP Ugly, and despite what the title may lead you to believe, this podcast is about the joy and challenges of professional PHP development. We are three passionate PHP devs who make a living coding, as well as running a small business. We get together every week to stream and discuss coding projects, work, tech, and running our business. From time to time, you may actually hear us complain about what the word enterprise means. Oh, I am your host, such a good Eric Van Johnson, and with me are my good friends, John Condon. Dude, I'm really starting to love the, that intro. You're dialing, <laughs> dialing it in? It, it's it's getting there. I like it. <laughs> and Thomas Rideout. Hi! <laughs> Hi! Hi! <laughs> I don't know what to do when, when John compliments me. It's such a rare thing. <laughs> what do you talk? I I say nice things about you all the time, just not to your well, face. Well, no, no, no. That's kind of weird. You say nice things after saying something mean. What? I would <laughs> never yeah. do no, it's that. Usually, it's usually like uh, that's why De- that's why Eric can't talk to this client anymore. But he's really good with all the other clients. Oh my goodness. That's why our yeah. HR bill keeps going up. But he's a great <laughs> programmer. Uh, I see you've had interactions with our HR department lately then, Thomas. I have not, oddly enough. No, that's weird. Give it I'm time. Only, I'm will. only in the company Slack. I'm not in the company HR. Well, we're getting closer. We're, we're, we're bridging that gap. <laughs> How's everybody doing? I, I saw I saw a chat fly by, but I, I think it was Frank. I don't know where it came in from, but oh, I guess our general our general must have did. Well, I don't know. Well, there's been a very weird turn of events. Week after week, after week after week after week, you two complain about me not putting things on Trello. Yet I'm the only one that seems to have anything on Trello this week. Okay, I don't want to freak anybody out, but I saw the board. I'm like, what is going on here? This is bizarro. So yeah, I tried to slide Trello. it. I tried yeah. to slide it to the right because I thought that it was like, it was it was halfway slid over, and John's list was just missing from the edge. <laughs> usually, so if you know Trello, it's it's list of things, and usually my list is empty, and then. <laughs> then you got uh, Thomas's list, which is usually like way off the page, and then Eric's list has a few things on it as well. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but it did. I mean, I, I get excited because you know I feel like you're 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 looking forward to the to the show, man. I am. Well, I always look forward to the sh- look forward to it. <laughs> I like the one that just says Java Hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That that that's a good 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 title, isn't it? Maybe that's where we should start this week. We well, we might as well, I guess. What was what was Java Hell? Why are we bringing up the J word here on our PHP Ugly podcast? I, I'm actually so 
when I put this ticket up, I thought I was out of Java Hell and I'm back in Java Hell. And it's just like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's we're talking Java, Java right? not JavaScript. Java, like li- literally. Java. This topic brought me to go back to figure out when we started PHP Ugly. And it was, I want to say March 2016. So, really? Because I, I could have sworn in our early episodes, I had talked about the Android app that I've written. Or I, mm-hmm. I, I, I thought I was in the middle of writing at that point. And looking at the comments within the classes that were created in the Android app, it was May 2015 is when I started writing this application. Mm. And a few months ago, it was brought to my attention, hey, we need to recompile it. It needs to be 64-bit, not 32-bit now. And I haven't touched this thing in years. So one, trying to remember... Sounds like my marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to remember the Java Java key store, I think it's called. Trying to figure out how to to build signed uh, APKs. Looking at all the changes that have been made. Not to mention that the third-party library that I was using to uh, use within the app is broken in the newer build, so it, that stopped Great. working. I, it's been a nightmare for the past week. Literally, I think Friday. Week. Friday, I spent the entire day on this application. And the task here is to just compile it again? Yes. Just to get it up. To, well, I also was trying to make. Well, yes, <laughs> I'll just leave it at that <laughs> Be- because Android Studio was upgraded. So now I couldn't just compile based on the older APIs. It was like, nope, you have to change your minimum uh, API specification to whatever it was, which meant everything else changed. The, the lowest I could get the the version to the third party library was still broken. So when I went to, uh, it was when I was trying to show a PDF within the application, it was just going to a white screen and it's an issue that other people, other, uh, Android developers were having. And unfortunately this is a dead library. It's on GitHub. It worked great for a long time, but now it's just dead. There's a ton of open PRs for it, but, the developer is no, nowhere to be found. Turns out Android now has a built-in PDF renderer, but I'm not a Java developer. I suck at Java. I've, I've learned. I hacked this thing together. I got it working barely. <laughs> now I'm trying to use the built-in PDF renderer, not the third-party library. It took me way, 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 way too long to get it working. But I got it working. The other, this is for anyone that's wondering. It's called Fax Burner because uh, for some reason people still need to fax. It's I mentioned ridiculous. how strange that was last week. Yeah. <laughs> so I get the the PDF piece working. That's working fine. But now taking pictures was was or actually it was loading pictures from the library was broken. So I spent a huge chunk of time yesterday getting that fixed. Only to find out, okay, well, if you if you take a picture, sending a fax works fine. But if you try taking using a picture out of your library, it's broken. 
thing it just i don't know it i'm still in this nightmare i i know i know for a fact what that is that's the the new os permissions it's not the os permissions though i i, I wish it were that easy but the, the os permissions were the easy part that that's <laughs> fine this is I don't I don't know enough about image manipulation. So when I'm when I use a picture f- directly from the camera with them in my app, I get the right dimensions. When I use a picture off of disk, I don't know enough about manipulating it before sending it to the back end to do what I need to do. I will help you with that later. Awesome. Really? Yeah. I mean, cool. you know, I deal in pictures, kind of. But with, but within Java, I mean, it's this. I don't know. We'll talk about it. I could tell you what the issue is. <clears throat> okay. Um, well, within within Android, you have to convert it. I'm converting it from whatever it's stored as on disk, which I'm assuming is JPEG. You got to turn it into a bitmap, which, from everything I understand, it's only if you want to like manipulate pixel by pixel, which I don't care about doing. I just want to. I want to render it in a grayscale state on the screen and then send the entire file to the back end. That's all I want to do. It should be super simple. I don't know where it's failing. On the ice on the uh the image tags, the all the metadata. But I'm not touching any of that. I'm I know that's just... the problem. Oh. Is that all your all your relevant information that's missing is in your meta tags? For example, when you take a picture and it's not rotated correctly and you rotate it in, in the phone, your phone just adds a rotation meta tag to the image. It doesn't actually affect the image at all because mm-hmm. that's just a fast way to do it. So there's a lot of data that's in the various meta tags that if you're not pulling it in as part of the image explicitly, then the image will be broken. Hmm. Um, especially, this is especially true with uh, cell phone stuff because these cameras have multiple layers of meta information about the color depth, which camera was used, uh, the distance of the subject of the photo from the lens. I mean, like you get all sorts of crazy stuff. Hmm. I'm going to do my best not to touch any of that. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had to. <laughs> All right, I, I will look forward to it. Well, sp- well. Speaking of helping, last week we were talking about GitHub Actions, and after our Actions. after our podcast, Gishu was nice enough to stay and help trying to debug this with me. Set you straight, and yeah, <laughs> turns out I I set him straight, and I was right. It sucks. It doesn't work in forked repos. I was saying, I saw your, I saw your tweet, your tweet of frustration earlier this week about how. Yeah. I was surprised because <clears throat> it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. So I was surprised <laughs> that you were still dealing with it after that. It wasn't necessarily dealing with it. It's just, it was just another like. I was thinking about it, talking with somebody, and it's like this should work, and it doesn't. So I, I tweeted it out, really and then it should. Yeah, but I was getting people kind of defending github in there and i understand there's probably technical reasons behind the scenes but i don't care i'm paying for the service just like our big issue with google we we pay for the g suite accounts 
And it's stupid that I can't. Wow, that is loud. It's You're stupid making that ice. I can't. <laughs> I, got, I, I, I got a couple extra beers here because I want to get up. It's going to be a three beer bit night, just so you guys know. So I got one on ice back. I got right back there somewhere. Anyway, no, I'm not as cool as you. I don't have a keg kegerator in my office. I have a bottle of beer in there because there's ice in the kegerator, and oh. I can't get I can't get a new <laughs> keg in there right now. I'm waiting for it to melt. <laughs> so going back to github issues or github issues actions um i decided to put out a out a poll because i was curious how many people work on teams where they use fork repos versus uh working out of a main repo or a single repo I was so surprised by this result. I, I'm shocked as well. 80% of the respondents use a single repository. Only 20% worked in forked repos. And in the words of our awesome president, <laughs> my, my, the, the uh, results were huge. The number of respondents. So very statistically significant here. Very scientific uh, survey there. Exactly. <laughs> I had, I, we had 16, 16 respondents, so 13 worked out of a single repo, 3 worked out of 4 repos. That's pretty good. I actually responded just because I was so curious. I was so confident that the 4 repo was more commonplace. I'm like, ah, I don't even care. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's 4 repos. I don't know where you would get that from. I've never seen an environment Dude, that fork repos like that. I can't imagine working, especially on a long project. Like if if you're building something for a client and there's like a bunch of fast moving you know, features coming and going, maybe. But for like a legacy application, man, years of people working out of the same repo. But I don't think most that people seems use horrible. I think most people are developing for internal work, not for clients. I, you know what I think you get a lot of? And this might answer, I, I'm speculating completely. But, for example, when, when I start up projects for a company, a lot of times I'll be the first developer on a project. And I'm, I'm doing a lot of the foundational work. But if I was the only developer in that company... There would be no reason for me to fork to my personal repo. I would just, I would just keep using the the same repo. So I don't know. I don't know if maybe that the the question needed to be worded differently. Like who works on a team of more than three people? You know, what is your repo workflow like? I mean, I, because I, that's I was trying to say. I wanted to just I wanted teams only. But I, yeah, you did. But say I, that. I, but you I didn't ask team. like how many people on your team. Somebody was brought it up within our business and how we do things, and of course, all the blame was placed on Eric. But in reality, it okay, was now the compliment part. <laughs> in reality, it was my my thing because I came to this as a single developer right i worked on my own but i did open source stuff so when i started at a phone burner 
they were using SVN poorly. And I was, I introduced, I introduced them to Git, And at the same time, I'm, I brought up, we should all fork the repos. And that's just how we've done it since then. And then we started Diego dev and I just kept that same thing going. I talked to Eric and we agreed this seems to be the way to go. Uh, somebody's asking in Discord how you control remote repos. Well, it's permission-based. You give permission to the repo, and if you need to let somebody go, you take their permission away. They're going to have the code either way, right? Whether it was forked or not, it was cloned to their local computer. You can't take that back. Right. It actually deletes their fork, though. It does delete their fork, but... Yeah, so it deletes their fork on GitHub, and they lose permission to the project. But to John's point... That's really kind of irrelevant. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't That's, matter the workflow. They, ha- up, they have it on their computer. You bring up an interesting point, though. Could you poison pill a Git repo? What do you mean? In which could way? You, could you do a Git rebase that that flattened out someone else's entire Git tree so that they couldn't revert? So that the code locally stored was just lost? No. Because they still have all the commits locally. That's right. that that's Git in a nutshell. They have a copy of the entire history locally. Yeah. You you could screw you could screw up their branch, but it doesn't change what they have on their their desktop. That's the thing. The only way you could screw it up is if you screwed up your upstream branch and they pulled down from it. But that's even. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because they still have the history. The, right. Uh, no, I I completely agree with you, yeah. John. It, yeah, that, that that's and again, this is one of the reasons why I, I like the management of the upstream repo approach. It's just I don't I don't know. I, I think everybody has their own way of doing work and allowing people to use GitFlow, use WIPs, use whatever they want to do in their own repo, and and just have a bunch of branches and, and broken <laughs> stuff. I've been guilty of a dozen or so times, totally gnarling up my entire repo, leaving it, and just reforking from upstream. Because mm-hmm. for for a number of reasons, I you know who knows, but you know, I'll, I'll get into a state where I'm so in the woods on my repo, I'm like, all right, screw this, delete it off my computer, delete the repo from GitHub, refork, start over. Mm-hmm. And I have done that enough to know I never want to do it to my upstream branch. And well, then, I, I branch like crazy. I, I create a ton of branches that, and open PRs that ultimately never get accepted, or mm-hmm. it, it's a proof of concept that I never do anything with. And if I was pushing that up to a central repo, people would be annoyed. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't do that. I mean, I, I have Tinker branches, but those don't get pushed out. So you lose them when your computer crashes. I, I also so you don't, yeah, they're, they're just, just they don't contribute them back. They're they're, yeah, they're just tinker branches. They don't they don't mean anything to me except that. Well, but but even even if you're working on something more than tinker, if you're not pushing it up to, if, if you're not creating a branch on on the on the remote repo, you're if I'm you're if risk. I'm working on something more than just tinkering, then it goes under a Jira ticket, and gets pushed every time I make any changes. There's, it's, if it's yeah, important, it's a Jira ticket. If it's not important, it's just a scrap file to me. Yeah, I still, I still think. I mean, I think of all the tickets my team works on with one project. 
I see all the PRs that come in for that repo. I mean, we're we're doing you know five six PRs on that repo every couple days. If all of those were separate branches in that repo, oh my god, what a mess! What an absolute mess that would be. Yeah, so I think we have about five hundred branches on our on our Git repository right now. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. It's just corrupt. It doesn't. We don't. No one looks at. I mean, we don't even use the interface for GitHub. We don't even use the. It's just a a server that we've got that holds the stuff. Mm. The, the thing we care about is that it can be pulled from anywhere and pushed from anywhere. The big project that I work on has seventeen branches, master develop, a few from Dependabot, and then a few. The actual feature branches where when a team is working on a major feature, it, the branch is created. Uh, a couple of these should have been deleted and they haven't yet. And then some revert branches because it's very easy just hit the <clears throat> the revert in a PR. And again, those branches aren't being cleaned up. So well, of the 17, there's really only three currently, four currently in use. Let me Let me clarify too. I have a script that gets the branch name out of the git branch all list and checks it against Jira. And if it's closed in Jira, I'll go and delete it off of the origin uh, <clears throat> repo. So yeah. that, ran, that I, ran last time in December. So the 500 that I have are from since December. Uh, well, I, and that, that's... In, that seems like another risk, though, right? Like, let's say something's wrong with your script. Heaven forbid you write a script that has a bug in it, and you wipe out half the repos of other developers because you're all you're all committing to one one server. You know, it's it, like. But they they've got a again they have a they copy still got of the, the local copy. So if they want if, local. If, if it if it pops so, up an error, it'll tell them what to do. Can't find a yeah. remote branch. Here's how you push a remote branch. Yeah, I'm less worried about that. It's. You're also using Git Flow, which has a very specific naming convention, which is great. Yes, yes. Uh, when I used Git to do Flow presentation, plus so when I, it's yeah, when it's I feature slash project name dash ticket number dash the person responsible for the for the branch. Yeah, when I used to tout Git Flow, I used to do uh, presentations at user groups on that. I that was one thing I really loved, and I. I just I didn't stick with it. Once I learned how to branch and merge and rebase, I felt like I didn't need it as much. But that's one thing that I do miss is that very specific workflow. Well, and I do believe that naming convention for a branch we actually still have defined as our standard in our in our company wiki. Just nobody follows it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It, it, <laughs> Gitflow does kind of enforce it by having scripts that, that create the branches for you. I did used to love yeah. that workflow. I remember that was actually one of your first SDPHP talks. I think that I think it was either your first or second talk. That's you because it was, it was my first presentation ever when I was in Orlando. So it was, it was a presentation I did there and came to SDPHP and did that. I guess when my company started using it. When you started. That presentation. 
Oh, really? Oh. <laughs> Same thing as when you guys mentioned Stand Up Alice and how great it is. <laughs> well, you better get, you better start to embrace Livewire, buddy, because it's coming towards you. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he says actually, no. Do I do have a uh, a view ticket? I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week or not. So I've been doing some view. You, you did mention you're doing view last week for sure. Um, but the big news is I have merged my uh, Laravel upgrade ticket. Hey! It was merged in combination with a cleanup ticket that cleaned up legacy, old, unused code Mm -hmm. on Monday, and on Wednesday, I was finally done dealing with it. What's today? Thursday? On Thursday, oh, on Thursday, I was finally done dealing with it. Did anybody retweet that we started streaming? I did, yes. <clears throat> wait, awesome. w- wait to listen to, to your co-host here. Sorry. Uh, so <laughs> it, was, it was a rough one. Um, we had lots and lots of subdomains that we ended up collapsing into a single domain or a single subdomain. A lot of old routes and references to 40 or... 301 and 302 redirects to handle all of this stuff that was changing over the last seven years. So really wiped out a huge amount of routes and views. And I would say only about 20 errors total thrown on Bugsnag once it got to production. So it worked out really well. Speaking of Bugsnag... Whoops, sorry. Okay. Speaking of bug snag, I actually implemented that in my Android app. I, ah. When I was trying to when I was trying to debug this thing, it was driving me absolutely crazy. And I brought somebody in that I know is a Java developer to a point. Unfortunately, he got pulled in the other direction. Tears so he helped me a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> he uh, <clears throat> he was like, "Why don't we implement bug snag?" I'm like, "That's a great idea," and it. You know, they made it super easy to, to pull in the the library, get it up and running, and so now I'm sad every time I open Bugsnag. You know what I thought you were going to say is, uh, speaking of multi-tenant Laravel systems. Speaking of multi-tenant Laravel systems. <laughs> <laughs> Just... Just tee that one up right, right there. It's the sound of a Segway crashing into a wall. <laughs> well, you said you were expecting me to say it, so I said it. What do you want me to do? You have oh. Laravel multi-tenancy on your own Trello board. Oh, so you want me to talk about that. I see how this works. No, I just said oh. I expected you to talk about it since I gave you such a perfect intro to it. <laughs> well, it wasn't that good of an intro because I didn't get it because I don't do this very much i was i was actually going to ask you before we go down that road uh how do you manage upgrades are you using um laravel shift should i use laravel shift to go from a five six or five seven application up to current yeah no no yeah that's too that's too big of a job i I would honestly just spin up a new app and start I mean, how, how big is the app? I will tell you why. Small. Two or three major controllers that do the work. Do you do caching? Spin up a new app, up a new app and just start pulling stuff over. 
I've done this enough to 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 know that's a pretty big. I mean, that's just a pretty big jump. That's all. You first thing you have to pay for each shift. It's, there's not one shift from one to the other, and there's just a lot of changes between all those. Go ahead, Thomas. The, no, don't go ahead, Thomas. I'm place, keep interrupting. The place you. that it caught me that I really am glad we had Laravel shift was when they changed from uh, seconds to minutes, or I'm sorry, from minutes to seconds on caching. Mm -hmm. And I have caching everywhere in this monolith program, and it just handled that for me. Yeah, I don't use use much of Laravel. I use the routing pieces, and then once it gets very little eloquent, once I get the application up and running, it's mostly doing audio processing. Honestly, I, I would spin up a new app and just try moving stuff over. Yeah, yeah, and and the reason you'd want to spin up a new app instead of like in a branch as like a fork is that all the config stuff changes. Yeah, it's like copying yeah. stuff into the config. Config files have changed significantly from five to seven. Damn it. Yeah. It's not on the roadmap anywhere for it to actually be done, so it's more It's not like... that long of a process, and I think 5.6 is still the LTS or NLTS, if that means anything. Which we know, we it, know doesn't. it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, LTS standing for long-term support for our listeners who aren't aware. Yeah. yeah. Uh. The support part being the key. <laughs> oh! <laughs> All right, so multi-tenancy. You were bringing up multi-tenancy. Well, you... I don't know. I, well, no, you were... Whatever. You tried teeing you it up and ticket. you failed. Yeah. You failed. <laughs> you failed miserably. That's true. I tried to toss you a softball and you missed. So I don't, it, multi-tenancy, for those that, that don't know, is using one code base to host multiple domains, correct? Am I... Mm-hmm. Correct in my understanding yeah, of this? Generally, yeah. That's correct, yeah. So I noticed in somehow that our good friend Spotty has a Laravel multi-tenancy library out there. And right in big, bold letters, package and development, do not use yet. <laughs> but, so, so, I, so I downloaded it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> But it's on production. as I was as I was reading this one, I do this a lot, not in my Laravel app that I have today, but the main application I work on is a multi-tenant app. And every time we spin up a new client per se, it's all the code works for them, but then some code should only work on some domains and not on others. Mm-hmm. So it is a multi-tenant domain. What I what I did catch when I was reading this, it made me think of uh, our good friend Syntaxy that we interviewed for the uh, PHP podcast not too long ago, and she uses she was trying to figure out which uh, which framework she was going to move to as she starts to embark on rebuilding her business. She has a she does a lot of work for a lot of different companies. And she was concerned about Laravel because they upgrade so often. And how am I going to, you know, upgrade all of these clients? And I don't know if she does, if she's hosting on a single server or, you know, a, a single set of servers, or if it's 
you know, spread out like different installs. So if it is a, a single deployment to, you know, multiple servers, this may be a way to go once it's out of beta. Sounds like they're working on it currently. So it might be a, a good thing to, to look into. Spotty.be and it's Laravel multi-tenancy. So we've done multi-tenancy in the past. I don't remember it being that difficult, but I must have been missing missing something because I know it became a big topic for a while. It, it's more but about... I, so it sounds like this library allows you to do a lot of different things, maybe switching databases by domain. So you could have a completely mm. separate database. I was so going to say, it's going to have to do something <clears throat> like that because there is already domain-based routing in Laravel. Right, right, exactly. So I do, this, actually... I, I do it in WordPress where I serve up a different configuration based on the domain you're hitting. So it can, mm-hmm. it can include a completely different prefix on, the, on your database tables. So it's one WordPress installation, but it's basically an infinite number of websites that are seem like they are separate. Now, that's yeah. <clears throat> the, the good point is that even though I have domain routing, I also have a, a bunch of helpers that we custom wrote to figure out what domain you're currently on mm. and what permission levels you should have and stuff like that. So there is a gap in functionality that, that I've filled in the past with my own code. Yeah. I, I like the idea of it being able to do different databases. That that would be intriguing to me. I mean, basically, it would almost be like... Because we have a client that, that will occasionally do that where they want to serve up the same application, but certain clients want to pay a premium so that they, they, they're they the only ones on the application. So they want their own database. They, they want their own instance of the app. And... It, if this did something like that, where you could say, "Hey, each each um, domain has its own database," yeah. that would be nice. Well, you figure you have one code base, you deploy it to multiple servers. You you got to use your AWS routing to route to different mm-hmm. specific servers based on that domain, and then within the multi-tenancy, it's going to hit a different database. So yeah, yeah. Uh, this sounds like it would do that. Technically, you could do that anyway with your deployment. When you deploy to, you know, client one servers, you use a D, an env file that's going to hit the database, you know, database one, where you have the the same code being deployed to a second set of servers with a different env file. Well, so the more it wouldn't I think even have it, to be that. It wouldn't even have to be that complicated, really. If if you if you wanted to talk through this, it would just be a matter of of uh, each domain having its own config file. It says, okay, here are all the settings, the, the database settings for for this domain, database settings for that domain, and, and having each domain read its own config file. Right, right, it depends on your deployment. So if you're deploying where, you know, you have premium clients, you know, on their own servers, they could have their mm-hmm. own ENB files. If you're talking True. about you know, a shared pool of web servers amongst all your clients with just different databases, that's different. So it really depends on how you're trying to service your clients. And 
I think it's my fault for introducing this as being domain related because reading through it, it doesn't appear that it's related to domain names at all. It appears really? that it appears that it's related to literally tenants, literally who owns this session. <clears throat> so let's say you had an application that was managing uh, sales leads. Everyone having the same application endpoint, but their link to the consumers defining them as the tenant. So you could create records and say this person entered under this tenant and started a lead. And by using this system, you could say this, this user is always using this tenant. Are you telling me I just don't system. understand multi-tenancy? I think it's just an abstraction of users in this case, but huh. with, with added functionality. So we, me and you can have the same core system, the same application that we use, but because I am the tenant, I have my database of connections, and because you're a tenant, you have your database of connections, and the two are kept separate. Oh, so, so within, no... a single, within a single domain... You could have premium users? Not premium users, but it, it would goes more towards the business logic of sales leads and how they are a very guarded group of people who are very scared about where their data goes or, or where their customers end up when they start somewhere. Well, I mean, that's one use case. I'm talking about you sure within, I'm, yeah, just trying to come up with alternate use cases in there. Yeah, so it, it's funny. Kaya in, in chat looks like they're over on YouTube chat. Says the Spotty package is is very basic, a very simple basic implementation. Well, well they Order. they do say they're in development. Yeah, it's know, very incomplete. It uh, imagine if you had a, an application that managed dental offices and scheduling. You have the one application, but you've got it deployed to ten different dental offices. Then you could use each office as a tenant. They have their own database and their own configuration, but it's just the one application. Hmm. Do you see what I mean? That way you're not deploying the same code base over and over and over again. If you have 100 clients, mm -hmm. you're maintaining the one code base and each client has a tendency. I get what you're saying, yeah. So... Mind uh, so, you just you just opened my eyes on what's going on here. I, it, it was my misunderstanding of multi-tenancy. I think it, I think it was reasonable. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I thought the same thing. That that's why I kept saying I I didn't understand the complexity in it because multi-tenancy always seemed you can handle the domains it, it, with within Laravel. So I, I never understood why it was such a big topic, but. What Thomas is saying makes a lot of sense too, and now I understand yeah. some of the challenges with it. I think we're I think we're talking about we're talking <laughs> don't, about tenancy as operations guys, where we've had to mm -hmm. deal with shared hosting, which is mm -hmm. yeah. kind of a dead thing. And I think this is more tenancy <laughs> you, you as an application that? developer. You, you I know that. you would hope that, but it's bizarre. I had an interesting conversation with my wife the other day. She asked me why Amazon was charging us 50 cents every month. And I had to explain that I was hosting stuff on AWS. <laughs> and she says, 
how are you hosting stuff on Amazon? Are you selling something? I said, no, it's, it's just a, it's mostly a DNS server that's got a couple records that I keep. She goes, what does that have to do with Amazon? And it, it was a good half hour where I had to like explain, well, Amazon used to be a bookstore. Now they're a server that, store. Exactly what I was about to say. Who would have thought this small online bookstore was going to become the, the, the name in cloud computing? It's insane. Well, and why is it the name? I mean... <clears throat> Really, at this point, AWS should not be related to Amazon in any way. The two are separate entities entirely. It's just that AWS what, came out what, of the trouble that they had hosting a big website. Which one do you think makes more money, or do you know? AWS, I'm sure. What you think? Well, I would say... No, they, they they got plenty of people buying crap from them. <laughs> That's true. But they most of the crap they don't sell. They just take a percentage on, and sure, even then, I would rather do that than actually sell the crap. <laughs> if I but, could just take a percentage of sales, right? Geez. But everyone who sells crap, not through Amazon, still sells it through AWS. Like I'm sure not Wix, everyone, but quite a few. I I can, my I can wife. Almost, I could almost 100% guarantee you that, that you could find a website that was doing sales, and at some point, you're going to hit an AWS server. My wife was nope. recently, um, John and I actually have, have a little insight on this. So before we got the Diego Dev offices, we used to meet weekly at a crepe shop, and the entire team would come to the crepe shop. And it was fun, and the crepe owner loved us because we brought all this business. We were actually some of his first customers, and to this day, I think it was because we would have a dozen people sitting at the front of his store at the window, got people interested to come into his crepe store. So I take full credit for his success. I have no shame. But um, when DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats were all becoming... Popular. I don't. I don't even remember what the service was at the time. At the time, we only had one here in our little town uh, in San Diego. But uh, I had asked him. I'm like, "Hey, are you going to get on board with this?" He's like, uh, "No." He, you know, and he ran through the numbers and basically, for every dollar somebody spends with him, that company ends up taking like seventy cents. He's you know, he gets like thirty cents on the dollar for his services. Even though he doesn't have to worry about the the, pick, the delivery, the pickup, or any of that, still thirty cents on the dollar is not great for him. I think it's the other not way to around. Mention, they they take. I thought those companies took twenty five or thirty percent. Uh, that's what you would think. No, and when when we talked to our friend, this is what he he explained to me. And then on top of that, on the net, they charge. They'll they'll charge you a delivery fee. They'll charge oh, you. Uh, uh, tips and they see none of that. Uh, my wife found an, uh, came across an article, not like she was looking for it, but came across an article that basically said this um, and, and explained how these restaurants, especially these smaller shop restaurants, are struggling with this, with especially with this COVID nineteen thing we have going on right now, because their incomes are already being cut. And now that COVID's a big deal, 
they've been championing these delivery guys as heroes, and and I don't blame them. But I think part of it was these companies like Grubhub and DoorDash saying, "Hey, look at all these heroes we're employing. Hey, support these heroes and order something from DoorDash." And we were taking we were taking advantage of that. And um, but then my wife comes across this article, and she's like, "All of a sudden, it's like we've got to stop using these services." <laughs> I'm like, why? Why do we care? <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> I don't. I, I I care to like I care because I like supporting small companies like our friend at the crepe shop. I probably wouldn't use them for for that, but Wendy's. Yeah, I'll, I'll use them for Wendy's. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think you have your. I do think you have your numbers backwards. We have people in chat saying it's it's backwards and. Like Grubhub takes ten percent plus processing fee of three three percent plus thirty cents. Yeah, it's. So I'm not it's, sure. It's thirteen percent. I don't. I don't mind explaining to you all how you are all wrong, and I am always right because you know because but. you're because you got like a perfect memory, and this was two years ago yes. that we talked to. It's identical memory. I, I I can I I can I, I I don't know what that means. I forget. But <laughs> what is a crepe shop? A crepe shop. If you've never had a crepe, don't start now because you should be vegan. But if you're not, a crepe is awesome. Go eat one. Crepes are great. It, it, it's it's not it's not in, in any particular vegan non-vegan thing. You can get any sort of crepe you want. But it's it's a weird delicacy that I was it's never like, interested it's, it's in. A, it's a it's a pancake, a very 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 it's thin, thin pancake, pancake wrapped around. Wrapped around stuff, you can get you can yeah. get a dessert one that has like bananas, get it and with chocolate, bacon and... in it, bacon and spinach. That's the way you want to go. There, keep, there's keep, there's keep, savory crepes, keep the bacon and there's out, keep the eggs out, dessert crepes. Well, lots I, of ba- add extra bacon. I would extra be bacon. I would be remiss if I didn't say that Apple Two Games has corrected us twice now, saying that uh, Amazon AWS only makes up thirteen percent of Amazon's overall seventy billion. Thank you. Games. And Grubhub takes thirteen point five percent, so that must be he's wrong on both counts. That must be thirteen. I don't think because he knows what he, anybody who has Apple in their name can't be can't be right. Well, wrong. <laughs> Apple to Kings. If you're Drink, charging a fifty percent markup and they're charging thirteen point five percent, then your net comes out to about what you were saying, Eric, which is about seventy. Thank you, Thomas. Appreciate that. What are you talking about? See, I got Thomas's support. We know how right Thomas is all the time. Oh, don't even start. My... <laughs> Which means you're completely uh, wrong. I don't know. I have teenagers. I'm being told on a daily basis how wrong I am about everything all the time. It is. It is <laughs> oh, a, man. Welcome. In, in it doesn't this, stop. In this case, your teenagers are right. It doesn't stop. I, Trust me. I'm going to hurt you. It better stop. <laughs> It doesn't stop, man. Oh my gosh! It's great being a stepdad because they don't. Apple, they don't play the Apple, whole... Apple to games. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. They don't... I, I appreciate you hanging out with us. My kids don't play the whole "you're not my real dad" thing because they know how little that affects me. They just yell at that their mom and say, "And then there's him," and I'm like, "What? I'm <laughs> eating my pizza, playing a video game. Leave me out of this." Your kids just love you because they're like, all I get to do is play games all day. My kids, my kids hate me because they don't let them play games. I'm like, get back to the books now. 
Yes. Get in there. You're a better dad than I am. We know. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to say that. I'm a jerk. Don't have to try. Uh, I am <sighs> definitely a jerk. <laughs> Don't worry. You know They'll wear uh, you down. I've been touting on Twitter how our shows have been running long. And I say this because we're at 10 o'clock already. How long our shows have been running. And we're at episode 190, ladies and gentlemen. 190 shows. But we've 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 been talking for like an hour, hour and a half of the shows. When I go to edit the audio podcast and I start slicing out all the dead air and all the other ums, ands, and that crap, we're we're still barely hidden an hour. <laughs> we we still have less than an hour of like okay. good content. We don't I don't understand. We don't have to be at an hour. We don't need an hour. We yeah, can an hour and ten is stuff. really the, the norm. <laughs> Really, I was shooting for 30 minutes when we put this all together. I was, I was shooting I, I'm for like, 10 minutes, and you guys were like, no, it's got to be longer. Yeah, that's why I got the puppy oh, look, dog eyes. That's how I got. I reeled you guys who's in. who's talking. When we started doing the PHP podcast, I'm like, we're going to make this a 15-minute podcast. We're just going to go bang, 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 bang through the topics. John's like, no, nah, I think we should talk about things a little bit. <laughs> You could go listen to episode one and two of PHP podcast. We could be just like that. It's 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 like rampant rampant fire, rapid fire. <laughs> I, I I you know, did you see who we're interviewing for next for for this month? No, am I next supposed month? to know? Uh, this is the sponsored section. I'm going to get another beer. This is uh, I'm not no, yeah you can get another beer that's fine but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna explain it because I'm really excited about it it was it was on a topic that I was super excited about last month part two is this month and that's who our interviews with ah oh. you were you were included in the email so I, I yes I was included in the email <laughs> yeah I'm. I'm I'm excited to uh, to speak with them about this topic. And you're we you're, you're, you're allowed shared. to talk about the topic. We are talking with Liam. You're allowed to spoil it and talk. Let I wasn't going to spoil it until we actually... I don't, we don't typically spoil it until after we've actually done the interview. But why? what if the interview doesn't happen? It, it's going to happen. Well, even if it doesn't, we can say, well, it's going to happen. Oh, blah, 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 blah. But we've okay, never, we're talking we've never missed douche. an interview. It's true. We're we're actually pre- we we have a pretty good track record with that. Um, yeah, we're we're talking to uh, Liam, who has been writing articles in PHP Architect uh, last month and this month on machine learning. They're really good argue, uh, articles. I I've really really enjoyed them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to to speaking with him. So, all right. so that, that's John, let me I'd, I'd like to make a small observation. Okay. Uh, Gishu was saying that, that the show has been really good the past few weeks. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we, we can bring it back. He's down. a long time listener, too. He's like, he's like, now, he's a, <laughs> I propose to you. Yes, Apple. Let's, Apple, that, that, that is, I think that's his last name. Let's say we look at the last four hmm. episodes and ask ourselves what changed. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's changed. I, I, I tell you what, the last four episodes have been really entertaining to listen to. I don't know what's it's, changed. Do you know? It's on the screen right now, just behind John. The beer? Yes. It's my, 
the beer we're drinking again. John has We've started drinking beer again. And the quality of the show has just gone through the roof. Through the roof. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When we first started recording, I almost had to be drunk to record with you guys. I was, all, I was always so nervous. Oh, I remember. It, you got mad um, at me, too. What are you talking about? I was the oh. one getting high because I had a, I couldn't talk to you guys. <laughs> that one time. almost falling asleep. <laughs> the one episode where you didn't speak the entire episode. <laughs> you were just on camera. I was actually, I actually thought about that today for some reason. It was like the, the, the one episode. I wish we cracked those better. I, I, I was I thinking would, about I it because I was going back. back. I'm like, how long have we been recorded? I went back, you know, found the first one. I was like, where was that one where I basically said nothing. <laughs> your, your head was not enough in town. That was like in the 150 area, I think. It was. You should be able to find ago. that because because oh, it, yeah, it, it was right it was after right after pot was legalized. Yeah, it was after it was shortly after it was legalized, but it was hey, a long time that. ago. That's hey, it. we got February a little... 18. Apple, thanks for following us, dude. We got a little, we got a little thing I, on our screen pop up. I saw that. It was awesome. Uh, I gotta figure out how that works. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, I watch I, I watch like Twitch and those type of streams. And I'm like, how do they make that work? <laughs> Apparently, it just works on its own. You don't have to. <laughs> oh, um, I was I was telling you. I don't think we talked about this show. I've told I've talked about it in past shows how I've I've taken on the task of revamping. Our, SD, our local user group's website, sdphp.org. And I spent a little time uh, last week moving it off Vapor. So Vapor, Laravel Vapor is finally dead for us, which is is no bad thing about Vapor. Vapor is De- a great service. Dead until you wrote to me this morning saying, maybe we should keep it. <laughs> God, you just share everything, don't you? I do. Why He's would I not? I have got the beer in him. Why would I not share that? I mean, it's like we we decided it's dead, and then you write this long post like maybe it's not. Well, now you have well, to. So it it, ha- it, ha- it has it has its its spot. We, what we were using for it was definitely not a spot. We were hosting a, a local user group's website on it. It was a horrible use of. of oh, the that piece service. is dead. I agree. Okay, forget that. Yeah. It so, does have uh, it does so, have its place. I don't want to be down on it. it. There there are things that could be used for. Right. And that's what we were talking about this morning of, of ways that we, we could leverage it. it it's dead for SDPHP, which was our test bed, which was a mistake. Right. Well it was a mistake. We we learned a lot of of how the service works. Well, we learned how to lose yeah. money is what we learned. Yeah, I was gonna say it cost in it, dollars, it was, it was expensive. <laughs> It was way more than expensive than it needed to be, but um, but I uh, well, I, I've been well, revamping well, the website. Well back though, why was it? Why was it more expensive? Because SDPHP was essentially a static site, right? I mean, it was uh, a, it's a WordPress site. What? It was. No, oh, it was. Site. It was years ago. It was. Yeah. It was a Laravel site. Yeah, before yeah. you had people doing interviews, training to write the site. Um, the most expensive part, and th- this is a this is a common theme with the AWS environment. 
Um, the most expensive part was the database. Uh, uh, Vapor spins up RDS, uh, the rational, uh, relational database service on Amazon. And that's just an expensive service, no matter how you cut it. There's no way to do a cheat. Um, I thought we so, had figured a cheat for that, though. The the new database service that they offer that's uh, the spinoff of MySQL, I forget what the Amazon version of MySQL brings down the cost. What what you got? Road sign? No. <laughs> Traffic stop? <laughs> Parking lot? <laughs> it's I, should the, start, I should start trademarking like these, that. man. <laughs> uh, that cuts down the... In, in, I don't even think you have Wait, to you use didn't, the you database. Didn't, you didn't say what it really was. Now I'm confused. I, I don't know what it's called. I think it's Aurora. I always always mix it up with the Microsoft Cloud Service. So Azure. I, I, I can never... What's it called? <laughs> no, As, You mix it. it up with Azure. Asgard. Asgard. <laughs> Anyways, you guys are killing me. Check out AWS Light Sail for small-scale projects. Gishu, are you messing with me with that name, or is that really a thing now? I, I don't know who to trust anymore. <laughs> My God. But um, but that's always the most expensive. That's an expensive piece of AW, and we were we were wow. using it because Vapor did it out of the box. Blah blah blah. We could have we could have done our own database and and handled permissions and backups and everything, but we didn't. Why why so is that's why why is RDS so expensive? So the the application I work on, that they chose to use. EC2 instances running MySQL and not good mm-hmm. RDS. And I'm, I'm not sure why, but why is RDS so expensive? So um, the benefits really, right? So with your EC2 instances, you're still on the hook from managing those servers. With RDS, there's nothing for you to manage. There's no servers for you to manage. But the, you don't manage oh. AWS servers for the most part. I mean, well, they're, up, they're up and running. They, they can crash, but if you, mm. you get replication mm, running, what's the big deal? And as we learned last week, there is a uh, there is a backup service now for the EC2 instances. That was the big thing with RDS is you could do backups, you could do replication, and it was super simple to do. And, and Amazon handled all that for you. Replication is still pretty simple. Uh, backups, I guess, aren't as big of a deal anymore because... EC2 instances have backups, but but that's what I mean. That's what what it boiled down to is just the the, the RDS is a, is more of a managed platform than the EC2 instances. EC2 is just a server; you can do whatever you want on it. Yeah, but everything I've seen, RDS is so damn expensive. It's it's literally about ten times as much as the EC2 instance. So EC2 instance might run you ten dollars a month or less, and and like. The the smallest RDS instance is probably going to run you about eighty to hundred bucks a month. I, th- I think we have a client spending a thousand or more a month easily, mm-hmm. just on RDS. We, we definitely do. We definitely do. We, yeah. we we should really discuss that if we could save them that much money. Mm-hmm. Anyway, off the show. Yeah. I started this whole story talking about the SDPG website. <laughs> so I, I've been refactoring it. And as we said last week, you we did say we this... talk about our business on this website and we're trying to talk about our business. Right. You said podcast, we, we but I'm glad to hear you're drinking. This website 
to, when new developers came on so that you started workflow. Listen to an older show if, if you want all that. Anyways, I, I've been refactoring it. And we had a person reach out. Uh, John, I assume you saw this because they reached out through the SDPHP website or SDPHP uh, email address looking for a mentor. Mm-hmm. And I re- I replied to them. I'm like, hey, you know, I might not be a great mentor, but you know, I'm working on the website if you want to hang out and I'll screen share with you and you know we can talk through things. So I've been... I've actually had company working on it uh, the last couple couple days. It's been fun. And, like, I tweeted about this the other day. I'm like, I'm pretty sure this person's a better developer than I am. But they're very accommodating. They're very patient. <laughs> right, see, I feel bad. I did mean to reply to that email. They had a, t- a topic that I did. I had some input on. Now I got to go. Should. All right. Yeah. Yeah, you should reply. Um but they've been hanging out with me, and it's, it's been fun. But I found myself, what what happened yesterday is uh, I want to open, open source the STPHP website again so that p- members of the group could work on it. And we were using Nova on it to manage our posts and things because, as John said, it used to be a WordPress site. It's now a Laravel site. So we, threw, we had thrown Nova on the back end so that we could – do post and job postings and things like that. So I've ripped that out now, and I was looking for another shortcut for an administrative panel, and it just so happens that uh, we have a member of our group who actually has one of the more popular open-source admin panels for Laravel called Voyager, and uh, that's from Tony from the control group. Uh, it, it's it's a good product. So I I was trying to get that implemented, but there's so much overlapping tables and code and stuff. And anyways, this person was on with me as I'm going through these troubles. I can't just do a composer require on this because it's it's seeing conflicting tables. It, we're using UUIDs. It's expecting you know integers, and I'm sitting here saying okay. You never go into the vendor table and change change anything in the in the vendor folder because that's coming from like the package. So you never we're going to do it today because I need to get this working. But but you never want to do this. <laughs> I'm like going into the vendor table. I'm finding migrations <laughs> and updating migrations. And I'm like, uh, and I, when all was said and done, I still, I, I still ended up pulling it out. I, I think I'm gonna have to just suck it up and, and write a bunch of crud stuff myself. Look so, at everybody, look, so you go in chat. This is weird. Where you, am I right now? <laughs> so I go into the vendor directory when I when I want to fix an issue and then open a PR against whatever upstream branch that is. Like if it fixes the issue, great. Yeah, I'll do it for for quick debugging. But yeah, of course it's it's not going to stay there through deployments, yada yada yada. Or if you were to upgrade your your composer packages, you would lose whatever changes you made. Yeah, yeah. This is this is again one of those projects. I had this happen when I was working with Sushi, and now with Voyager. It's like I really need to take some time and try to try to submit some PRs for this because I'm pretty sure I can fix some of these issues that, that I'm coming across. I just just ha- I just I just don't. I'm I'm a very selfish person. I I do have to thank Thomas. I did not put this in. Where, where, what? what I, world is this? What? 
I did not put this. I did not put this in Trello, but thank you, Thomas. You had recently. You were talking about working on basically a separate package and in, in incorporating it into your main code base via a symlink. And yes. I got to take. I got to take advantage of that last week. Nice. Yeah. The. The composer JSON special uh, mm-hmm. symlink reference. So mm-hmm. it's, it does suck in Docker, but my workaround was I created a a directory within my project, and then I just excluded it from GitHub or from Git, and then I was able to symlink so that Docker could see the the package easily, which I guess I, w- I still need to do that because of the way I was including it. Yeah. And it just it worked beautifully. I was able to test. I was able to make changes to both like the code I was working on and the library that I was writing. It is open sourced and available. It's still working on some kinks, but it's a uh, it's a Swift Mailer transport plugin oh, to okay, work yeah. with. Do you have with you Office have that Diego Dev? Where is that released? Yeah, let's let's say it's Diego Dev. No, it, because I'm working on it with Phoneburner. Phoneburner open source has a, a, a repo for third-party packages. Okay, we can talk about it <laughs> later. I guess it's usually it's usually it's like pulling teeth just to get him to say the name Phoneburner. No, just, it's he's not. So, what he's so fast. Uh, what show have you listened? He talks about Phoneburner more than he does Diego Dev. Are you kidding I can, me? I do not. I. I I say the project I work on more than anything yes. else. Because yes, exactly. You say a client or a project I work on. This happens to be an open source project for them that they are taking advantage of. Moving Stop. on. Gishu, where are you? Uh, Gishu said that he was going to... I was about to do a PR until the stphp.org only has an initial commit from 2012. Do we have? Do we still have an old repo out there? I it sounds like it. Let's share. I mean, let's share a screen. Why? why, why look, Gishu is well, a better and, programmer and, and, than me. And, wait, it's, and, and it only initial, took him like three years. Initial commit or last commit? Because yes, 2012 is when I start. When I moved to San Diego and started SDPHP. Oh, look at this! I forgot I had this. Uh, you know, it's funny. I have SDPHP actually under Diego Dev because I care about the company. Uh, I uh, did not. I forgot we actually have a SDPHP GitHub group out there. Hmm. Oh yeah, look at that. Oh yeah, yeah. Gishu, don't do a PR against this. Oh, there's nothing in there but a readme. That's awesome. Go readme. Go ahead and fix that readme for us, Gishu. Do you mind? Uh, yeah, yeah, jump in that. Jump in there and fix that. See, I so, wish I wish GitHub nagged me the same way that my fitness tracker does, where it's like, hey, you've been sitting on your ass for four hours. You should move a little. GitHub, I want to get like I... annual emails that are like, hey, you've got 10 projects that are just a readme file. You think you want to clean those fuckers <laughs> up? You actually you picked a license for something you didn't write a line of code for. You spent four <laughs> hours on that page choosing licenses. <laughs> Well, so yeah. I, I did create a README file eight years ago, September yeah. twenty twelve. It just says I guess I need to, to do move our repo. File. You know, it's funny. Official is, official website of sdphp.org. When 
Well, think about it though. When we when we started this group, this uh, it's not called a group, was organization, and yeah. GitHub, you couldn't have uh, private repos, you know, without paying for them. So th- I'm sure that's probably one of the reasons why I initially didn't we moved it off of uh, SDPHP. But I, I guess I need to move it back over to SDPHP where it belongs. Oh, man, remember when we talked about putting all of our presentations in GitHub? Man, that would have been a smart move. Yeah. yeah we didn't do that. Yeah. Hey, you guys uh, You guys have Thunderbolt on your uh, stupid Mac laptops, don't you? It's, it's all we have now. It's all they come with. Stupid. Have you I'm actually concerned. The, have you super glued the back of your laptops closed? Well, it, 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 Should it's, I? It's, a, it's the uni... Case. Have you seen the Thunder Spy stuff? I saw oh, it. Oh, you oh, know, somebody shared my, it in our uh, Slack my whole thing about. Do you did you do you have a uh, Trello for that? Yes, yes, he does. Yeah, my whole thing about that is, if I have physical access to the machine, if I could pull out a hard drive, yeah, okay. I, I don't need a Thunderbolt hack to get around that. I'll, Wait, I'll but get it's on in- that thing. But it's encrypted if you just have access to the hard drive, mm. right? The hard drive is encrypted, but if you have access to the OS where it's unencrypted. Not even the OS. The example that they gave overwrite the kernel for a Windows machine mm-hmm. and granted access to anyone with, with blank passwords. But what it's actually doing in practice is direct access to the PCI bus of the system. So if they wanted so, to, they could just dump the memory. So you you brought this up as a you're asking about our Macs. Is it a Thunderbolt issue or is it a Windows issue? It is a Thunderbolt issue. So the I interesting thing that. about this is now I, I might be a hundred percent wrong on this, but from my research, the chips that control Thunderbolt on a consumer device like a camera, they don't want to have to deal with an intermediary operating system. So they just have, when you plug Thunderbolt into it, it allows full access to the system's PCI bus, to to all the memory lanes. So you can just access it. The same chips are being used in desktop applications, but they have a bit flagged that says, you cannot access the PCI bus through this port. So what's being done is someone is hooking up a JTAG writer and updating the firmware on the chip to say full PCI access is enabled. So on a device that has the security normally enabled, it's just shutting it off and allowing you to write directly to the stream of data in the system. Uh, what they're doing from there is enumerating the hard drive, finding the Windows folder, overwriting the kernel, and then the system is compromised. Um, but that's just the payload. The vector is the problem here, which is that it takes very little effort but some technical understanding to perform this attack. Yeah, you had to have physical access to the machine with enough time to take it apart, hook up specialized equipment that you know 
you would have if you were an attacker, obviously, but it's not something everyone has laying around. So, no, but but in the in this world we keep forgetting that espionage is a totally real thing that happens in companies and that finding a janitor and training him for one week to do this and then paying him a hundred thousand dollars is a real thing that really happens at Hyundai, Toyota, uh, IBM, Amazon, Intel, AMD. All of these companies have offices that are not running 24 hours a day, that have a night staff that is doing janitorial work, that has access to the highest level security systems. So this creates a, I mean, this is not a me and you problem. And the name of the, the kind of attack is called a bad maid. So, <laughs> the bad maid is not the really the right term for me. To me, the right term is bad janitor. Because people think of maids as the person who cleans your house. People think of janitors as the person who cleans your corporate offices. But, the, I mean, the reality is, is that a lot of people have laptops that they leave at their office... You know, I have a whole doom and gloom layout for you. You got to give me a heads up when you're going down the doom and gloom. I didn't give you a heads up on purpose. (laughs) You gave us a heads up days ago when you posted it in Slack. Yes, so you should have known. When I started talking about a new attack vector, you should have had that title card up there immediately. I was more concerned about getting the eye-rolling avatar deployed. I know. I saw that one, too. Uh, This is a a fascinating thing for me because... Because Thunderbolt was considered safe hardware. That there wasn't an attack vector that could use this. And it turns out that it's not safe hardware, and it's not safe hardware by a huge margin. Yeah, I, th- I think that's, that's very a, easy to do this. That's amazing. That vi- the video you shared is friggin' scary, where it, it really is just a flag. Like, Yeah. It, 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 it's secure or it's not secure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and if you have disk level encryption through a, a software bound encryption, then that doesn't matter. Too bad. Too late. Yeah. So the video he shared showed a Windows laptop. It was locked. It, it was at the the password prompt screen. All they did was close the laptop, kept it running, hooked up some. They took the backplate off of the laptop, hooked up some hardware to it, and they were able to. It was reprogram the the ROM, right? Or uh, the firmware on the the chip. Yeah. And then basically, open the laptop back up, hit enter, access to the machine, bypassing any security to it. Yeah, and because it was replacing the kernel in memory, it didn't even need a reboot. That I mean, is it's crazy. It's a super scary attack. If if you were one step closer to how easy it was, which was just plugging a device into the port itself, which I'm sure could be done. Mm-hmm. It's just that that's a, well, that's a but, level of magnitude more difficult. But if that I was, can't, ima- if that I was, can't imagine you being able to write to the, the firmware from, well, I guess never mind. That's stupid to say. Yeah. I mean, Intel has its fourth, hardware-based flaw, security flaw this year. It's 
it is possible, and I'm sure that the NSA already knows how to do it, but the fact that this has become a commercially acknowledged issue. I, I, I've never, I, I never assume my, my laptop is, is anywhere close to a safe harbor for any for anything. I, I take certain precautions to, so that your casual, I'm going to steal your laptop person has trouble getting access to it. Like, you know, like you said, encrypt, encrypting the, the hard drive, things like that. But I don't. I'm, I don't kid myself. There, there's no way I would ever feel a level of confidence that hey, what I have on here is safe from anybody taking. Well, I just don't. So call back to an old project of mine when I started really working on Buscoin. This became an issue I had to be aware of, which is that potentially millions of dollars of assets lived on a machine. And I, and I had to find some way of securing that no matter what kind of machine it was. If, if it was a remote server, if it was a local machine, if it was a laptop or a desktop, that didn't matter. Because once you start getting into payloads worth millions of dollars, someone is going to track you down and try to get to it. So there was a time in my life where I did a security audit of my entire lifestyle and security of physical hardware was part of that. So what did you cut out? If I told you, then it wouldn't work. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, if I told you the steps that I took, creating honeypot Wi-Fi networks around my house or uh, hiding the SSID, tracking MAC addresses in my house... I mean, I, I really took it seriously. I knew the MAC address of every device in my neighborhood. And if one just showed up, I tried to figure out where it was coming from. So that's, I mean, there, you know, we're not dealing in billions of dollars. But there are people out there who are. Fair enough. I guess maybe when I get to billions of dollars, I'll worry more about it. But I'm not going to spend my life just concerned about it. like when when John. It's a I, hobby. Thank you. Yeah, when John and I uh, went to Longhorn and I lost my, I left my laptop at a airport. It was inconvenient. I wasn't happy. I left it. I, I was more kicking myself over that, but I wasn't particularly worried about it. I mean, you know, you know who I worry about. I worry about. The, the employees at Dropbox who have access to my Dropbox, you know, I worry about the employees at Google who have access to my emails. Those are the dudes I'm concerned about. You, you know, my laptop gets taken from me. I'm not happy about it. I don't want it to happen. It's a major inconvenience, but I'm not losing sleep over it. Well, if you're worried about Google, just wait till you hear about the NSA. We're not going to NSA, man. I got my NSA hat back there. Tongue tech kid of the NSA, so. I know. It scares me every time. <laughs> every time I think about it. You just think I'm your friend. I've been reporting on you for years. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering right. why. He's put up with 190 episodes of this shit. Why is he still doing it if you to take. I'm going to take it at 199, <laughs> and we're never going to record 200 because just out of just out of just. 
pure frustration of dealing with you for 199 episodes. I kid. I kid because I love you. You know that. You'll introduce me to a new friend. I mean, handler. I mean, friend. <laughs> Jerry, go, go with we'll, we'll get somebody else. Tell me like anime. <laughs> All right, that's it. We we need to wrap it up. We're at a, we're at an hour and thirty minutes. I'm sure this is all cut down to about forty six minutes. But that's it. We are in the one nineties now. We have officially got episode one ninety out the door. We're marching <laughs> towards episode two hundred. And you know what happens in episode two hundred? We go to two hundred and one. That's right. Okay, uh, that's it. Thanks for listening, everybody in in Discord or everybody in chat, Discord, YouTube, wherever you might be, Twitch, Twitch, Patreon as well. Oh yeah, to Apple's on Twitch. Look at that. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks to our Patreons. I still need to update that slide, but I have an old slide here, right there. There's the old slide. I need to update this with current names. And again, I know I say this week after week, I will get out the the. Uh, Packages for people who are at reward packages who have earned rewards. I will get you those the next week or two. I, I need to go back to the office. I was actually just at the office this week. And I damn if I didn't remember to, to pick up the uh, the swag we have. But I'll head out there. <laughs> John, you got stuff waiting for you on your desk, by the way. Yeah, I, I'll get there eventually. Right, you should 190 it. plus hours of my life wasted. You can't get that back. He didn't say wasted. He said he's not getting it back. And don't think about suing us either. You can't because you know it's just you can't you can't do it. It's it's not a legal thing. I'm pretty sure. Two X. I I don't know. Does it help when you listen at us? Two X. Just get the get the pain over quicker. I don't know. Everybody's got a comment. Okay, that's it. I'm out of here. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it ugly. Thanks for listening to this episode of PHP Ugly, and thanks to our sponsors, the Diego Dev Group. If you're looking for developers who care about the code they create, the communities they build, and the solutions they implement, then reach out to the Diego Dev Group. You can find the Diego Dev Group at www.diegodev.com. That's www.diegodev.com. Show notes and RSS feeds can be found at www.phpugly.com. Follow PHP Ugly on Twitter at PHP Ugly or join us in our Discord channel. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or in your favorite podcast listener. A rating of five stars is always appreciated. Until next time, keep it ugly. Ugly.